um, at a certain point, my health started taking a hit again. So I had to worry about that and I couldn't do as much. So I needed the help, you know? So instead of taking people's credit, I actually wanted to build people up, you know, and work with these chefs and say, hey, you know what? You're talented. I love what you're doing. Come and work with me. You know, I'll pay you this. You know, we'll feature you for the night. You're the guest chef. Let's do this, you know? And people, you know, chefs Welcome to Blue Dream Radio, the People's Cannabis Podcast, a weekly podcast giving communities of color a dose of the real deal in the cannabis industry. Learn with us, smoke with us, and join us as we bring truth to power. Co-host Ali G. And this is your boy Freedom, where we come in live and direct from what Connecticut, Connecticut Bethel, yes. Connecticut, uh, where the quarantine, you know, is is bad, but it's not as bad. Yeah. We're like uh, what week five of um the coronavirus. Yeah. Our, uh, but we surviving. Journal. <laughs> yeah, we're surviving. We're surviving. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Um, and we have a great uh, um, chef. A person that is a survivor, a fighter uh, of cancer. So he just beat cancer, I guess. He's still going through the process, but um, he's feeling better. He's looking good. Um, and he's the owner of 20 Past Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it's a, and it's a catering company, uh, cannabis catering company, and they do amazing work. Um, so... Go ahead, introduce yourself, Chris. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Um, my name is uh, Chef Chris Dino, and like you said, I am the founder and owner and executive chef of uh, <laughs> Twenty Past Four. Um, yeah, it's a cannabis-forward uh, fine dining company where we put together events. Uh, we try to put together events once a month um, to gather like-minded individuals to have some higher-end food. Um, as well as experiences where we try to make things a little bit different than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, for awesome. sure, for sure. So if you're looking for new ways to integrate cannabis into your diet, uh, we are right now talking to Chef Chris. We'll explain how he's using cannabis to infuse and create amazing art with his culinary skills. He'll give us an insight on his best practices to infuse cannabis with food and some of your favorite dishes. So food is at the center of our lives, so why not make something extraordinary? So, Chef Chris, what we do is we um, jump into kind of quote of the day. That's one okay. of my favorite segments. And we, beautiful. We pick a, a, a quote from different people, people of color, and um, we talk about how that quote makes, makes us feel. Sounds awesome. good. So the quote is from Lynn Rosetto's Casp, and it's, remember, too, that at a time when people are very concerned with health and its relationship to what they eat, we have handed over the responsibility for our nourishment to faceless corporations. Okay. How what do you, do you feel? think about that? Yeah, how do you feel about that? Um, I think it's, to be honest, I think it's true. You know, um, we, we as a people have become very lazy, um, mm-hmm. where back in the day we weren't that way. You know, we would, uh, you know, let's let's not go as far as farming our own stuff because we live, for example, NYC, right? You know, it's not, we can't have, everybody can't have a garden in their backyard or even have a backyard at yeah. that point, you know? Um, 
but still, even though, you know, we do get lazy with going to the fast food or, you know, going to the chinos down the block to, you know, mm-hmm. get the dinner, you know, and, you know, no offense to any of these restaurants and stuff like that. But, you know, health wasn't a priority back, especially not when I was a kid. I was born in 1980, growing up 80s and the 90s in New York, you know, it was McDonald's, man, you know. And again, um, my parents are from Ecuador. You know, I'm, I'm first generation. Yeah. <laughs> She's Ecuadorian. She's Ecuadorian. Oh, nice. There you go. You see, um, my mom is from my mom is from Guayaquil. My father's from a small town called Hipihapa. So um, we are coastal Ecuadorians. Um, so yes, yes, a lot of ceviche, a lot of soups. You know, we did have a great, great um, nourishment at home, but because uh, we live in the United States and my parents were um, working, you know, there were shortcuts that my mom would take regardless, you know, frozen vegetables, canned vegetables, stuff like that, that she just had to do because she didn't have the time to get the fresh stuff and go shopping and do all this other stuff, you know? I am one of four, so she raised four kids like that, you know? Um, And then we just get trapped into that, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, it's okay if we have McDonald's tonight, it's okay if we have this, and we kind of forget that it's kind of not, you know? uh being like you can make your own burgers you know yeah yeah exactly you know and and sometimes people just even get lazy with that you know Mm -hmm. like and again you know and and it's watching your diet right watching what you eat you know they say um uh anything in excess is bad it's 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 bad for you you know you know so it's like yo you know watch what you eat you don't have to eat meat every day or chicken every day or fish every day you know you should have vegetables every day yeah we don't do that you know like we really don't let's be honest you know um not everybody loves vegetables especially i want to say especially latinos right because our parents i'll say i'll speak for my mom my mom used to cook the shit out of all the vegetables you know like she everything until this day everything is well done for my mom yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and it's like you know you you go and you eat some broccoli and if it's overcooked and it smells like i don't want to have that you know as a kid my mom would give us beets and i hated beets you know um when i started my culinary journey this was 90 i started cooking in 96 i started cooking professionally in 98 so in 1998 i worked for a chef and uh, he made me cook beets, like mm-hmm. fresh I love beets, beets. I love you know? Beets. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hate them. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? And I cooked them. You know, I followed his recipe. And, you know, when I was done and I tried the dish, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, like, what? Not what the, you yeah. know, and I remember going home and telling my mom, Mom, what have you been doing this whole time, you know? <laughs> and, and she'll look at me and she'll be like, well, you know, the ones that come out of the can are just fine. And I'm like, no, <laughs> they're not, you know? Not so it's it's one of those things that we learn as we go, you know? Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you this, though, because I always make fun of her mom. It's like, yeah, you be eating that cooey? Yeah. Nah, nah. nah <laughs> we're we, from the we, coast. That's that's from the coast. The nah, that's, the yeah, coast. that's that's the that's the mountainous region. No, no, no offense, you know. No offense. And, and every, true. No offense, you know. Everybody's everybody, and they. But I, I can't, man. I, I just, <laughs> it's 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 one of those things that are not for me. You my know? father has and, a my father has a friend that is Ecuadorian. Every time yeah. he go back home, he brings my father a big a big cooey wrapped up in. In, in, in foil and so you literally have like a freezer full of cooies and like and like, <laughs> like he's waiting loves it. he's like waiting like i mean don't get me wrong i i would try it um i've never tried it you know because i can't get past it um yes. i'll be honest my, it's my mom <laughs> yeah it's you know what my mom it has instilled in me mm-hmm. that 
it's too close to a rat. And she, <laughs> and she was terrified of rats. You know, she is terrified of rats, I should say. So I could never beat that. Um, but I have had, you know, Ecuadorian chefs that are like, chef, I'm going to make you a cooey and you're going to, and I'm not going to be disrespectful. I'll, I will try it, you know, but to be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go get cooey. Not uh, from me. Not from me. Because if you're from the coast, you're like, all these like fresh seafood that's coming from, from. Correct. Like, why would you Correct. Like, make a rat? Like, <laughs> what would you right. Want? Yeah, right. You would have like right. beautiful fresh seafood. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, oh, should I have this beautiful fish that looks amazing or? Should I eat this mm-hmm. kind of this thing that's like yeah. this thing that's like kind of you know trying to eat me? I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, uh, bringing it, bringing it back to that quote. Um, when okay. I read that quote, it brought me back to the cannabis industries right. that we cannot let uh, big corporations come in and ch- we just sell our sauce and our product. I mean, we buy just the product for big corporations that don't have the best interests at heart for the communities that they are they are um, they are providing product to. Uh, so um, when I read that quote, that's what I think about is how can we now take control of the industry and make sure that we are not, you know, giving everything out to big corporations and right. giving anything back to us? It's, it's funny because I'll be very honest. I have sat 20 past four on a platform that we don't really go political. I try not to get very involved in that. I like to push more of the culinary aspect of it because yeah. first and foremost we are about food i am a chef it's a chef driven concept and company mm-hmm. um but from my end i agree with you guys you know i love what you guys and a lot of these um what is it uh, uh marijuana for minorities you know everything that, that everything that everyone is doing is amazing you know and i think it's great that we're doing it i just wish we could unite more yeah. you know um i feel like there's always personal agendas out there um mm-hmm. that it's like one person says this oh but i don't agree with it and it's fine to agree to disagree mm-hmm. um but i think that's been a problem with latinos and people of color in general yeah. Yeah. you know it's like and it's and it's still continuing even though we are talking about something that's supposed to unite us which yeah. is cannabis you know at my dinners i always say there's three things that really unite us it's always food music and weed right yeah. um you know because everybody Yo, you know, yeah, you know, you you pick any one of those three, and people will come to your house regardless. You know, I'm 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 gonna I'm rename the the, the the name of the episode to that. <laughs> yeah, food, music, and weed, man. You know, that's why again, when you come to my dinners, we always. I'm I'm a again I'm an '80s baby, so I'm really big. I'm a big hip hop head. New York. I was born and raised in Queens. Um, so always at my dinners, we have some old school hip hop playing regardless you know i always have old school hip-hop and uh, i just feel like it gets us in the right vibe honestly it gets me in the right vibe it makes me feel good that's what i cook too that's what i like to do you know sometimes we'll throw in some salsa some merengue you know all that other stuff um some reggaeton because we i listen to all that as well but hip-hop is very much um, an influence in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up on it. I feel like it was the golden era of hip-hop when we were growing up. Um, so it, it, we always play that, and I always feel like it gives us the right tempo and the right vibe to throw out there where people are a little disarmed, you know? And not to mention, hip-hop and we go very well together. Yeah, for <laughs> you know? sure. <laughs> you know? Our, our, uh, you know, is it rice and beans, right? Arroz yeah. yeah. you know, it's uh-huh. kind of like, 
they go hand in hand, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They, go, they call it a, a los tres golpes. Chicken, yeah, rice, and beans. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, you know? So it's like, yeah, you know, all that goes well together. So I try to push more of that, you know? Um, I understand. Like I said, you know, the political aspect of it, I tend to stay away from just because uh, my demographic of clientele, my demographic of members that we have is very broad, you know, mm -hmm. um, in regards to age and views and theories and what they feel. So I don't want to offend um, anyone by and what I personally feel. And sometimes people just want to like go to a place where they don't have to worry about all of that, that exactly. they have to worry about it when they are, when they doing their own political um, right. work, yeah. their own advocacy, they want to go to a place where they don't really. Yeah. Just to get fun. away, you know, yeah, yeah. sometimes it's a little too real. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's a little too real. And it's like, you know what, let's, let's get away and enjoy something that's amazing. You know, good food, good cannabis, good music, good vibes. That's what we're all about. That's kind of what I built 20 past four around. Chef Chris, can you talk to us a little bit more about your company? So how did it come about? The name is a pretty awesome name. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the name, the name wasn't first. The name came way after the concept. Okay. Um, so in 2013, I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I've been cooking since, like I told you, 96. Been cooking professionally since about 98, um, where I was actually hired by somebody. In 96, my parents had a restaurant, so that's where I started. I was 16 years old and started cooking with my mom in the kitchen, let alone, you know, cooking for other people, let alone the family. I've, I was, I'm a fat boy, man. I've always been in the kitchen regardless. <laughs> you know, I was always asking mommy, mommy, what's next? You know, mommy, que eso? Mommy, que lo otro? Let mm -hmm. me get some. Um, so uh, 2013, I was diagnosed. Um, it was really bad. You know, I was, uh, I'm a stage four cancer patient. I have a very rare cancer called uracal cancer. It's a form of bladder cancer. It had uh, spread to my lungs mm -hmm. at the time. Um, at the time I had 15 tumors in my lungs. Mm -hmm. So we were going through a lot, you know, as a family, mm -hmm. as a person. Um, after about two years of feeling sorry for myself and going through the, you know, the obviously the depression that you, anyone gets from having that type of news and dealing with all this new stuff in life. Um, I wanted to do something, you know, I was just bored. Um, and I looked at my wife and I was like, Hey, you know, I would think I want to start cooking again. And one night I was at a friend's house, uh, one of my best friends and an, a mutual acquaintance of mine was just like, Hey chef, you ever thought about cooking with weed? And I was like, Nope, never thought about doing that. You know, like I, I never smoking. thought about it. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I mean, besides the conventional you know, brownies and cookies, yeah. and, you know, like I'm, I'm a savory chef. I'm not a pastry chef by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, oh. talking to the pastry chef over here. Oh, there you go. You see, now we gotta hook up. Now you gotta make something. I make something. Let's do that. Uh, so yeah, you know, it, it was like it was an idea. I, I looked into it. Um, I'll be very honest, when I researched it, one of the first people that came up was 99th Floor, um, okay. Chef Miguel Trinidad, um, which uh, I'm glad and happy to say that we're actually friends now, which is great. Um, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know? Um, all my life as a chef, as a career, I've done nothing but fine dining. So I was like, hey, you know, what if I do something different, you know? Um, so I started playing with it. You know, I started just researching it on my own. Uh, I... I so one thing that we do different at 20 past four is we actually don't decarbox our weed. We don't, mm. we don't um, do that because one thing that I wanted to feature or one thing that I feel about cannabis is when I smoke weed, right? When, we, when, when I crush my weed and I find the stem, I'm the kind of guy that grabs the stem and chews on it because okay. I like that flavor. And I always felt as a chef that you can take that flavor and 
make it amazing in food, right? Whether it's, uh, for example, a tangy that's, uh, you know, sativa and it's very citrusy. And I've used that before in a ceviche, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, something like uh, something more earthy, like a sour diesel that's, you know, real strong and pungent. I've used that before in a sauce for lamb. You know, because I feel like all those things go together. So because of that, my first experiment, I decarbed weed and I made oil. And I was like, oh, my God, this is disgusting. I can't cook with this. This is shit, you know. So I was like, you know what? What if I don't decarb? What if I put the weed in into the oil, slowly um, infuse my oils and my fats and really grab a lot of this what I later learned is called terpenes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and grab this flavor and say, hey, you know what? Holy shit. You know, I did it the first time and I was like, wow, this is really good. Mm -hmm. You know, now let's try to see if it gets me high, mm -hmm. right? Because I didn't know because the whole point of decarboxing is you pull out all the mm -hmm. THC, yeah. and, you know? So I was like, okay, Activating cool. the, the bug. Right, activating the THC. So um, for 2016, uh, was my first venture. I, I was already throwing like little pop-ups, just regular food. Um, I got 20 of my closest friends, uh, got them together and was like, hey, look, I'm going to do a three-course meal. I'm going to infuse it with weed. Let's see what happens. And all 20 of these closest friends are obviously um, fellow cannabis users. Yeah. Um, all 20 of my closest friends got over-medicated. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, when you don't decarb and you pull all those terpenes out, now you're grabbing this beautiful flavor of cannabis, right? And you add that to butter and you put that with onions and cilantro and all of a sudden you have this symphony of flavor that people are like, holy shit, this is amazing. So one little toast goes to two, goes to three, goes mm -hmm. to four. And then me myself, not knowing much at the time, I just was like, wow, this tastes good. Put some more. Echale ma. Echale ma. They'll be fine. Echale ma. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Next day, I got phone calls from my friends. You know, one of them, which we're not, we'll not name, was working for MLB at the time. And uh, he was like, dude, I just woke up. It's 11 o'clock. I had a meeting at 9. Motherfucker. <laughs> what you did know? you do to me? <laughs> <laughs> so it was hilarious. Um, uh, I'm glad to say all of them are still my friends. Uh, <laughs> they, they didn't get that mad at me. Um, but we've learned from them. You know, I learned that. Uh, not decarbing and doing the method that I do, I actually extract a lot more THCA and a lot more uh, plant matter. So my oils are actually a lot more medicated or medical than they actually are recreational. So um, I tell people at my dinners, our dinners are based on 100 milligrams of cannabinoids. 20% okay. of that is THC. Oh, wow. The other 80% is between THCA and plant matter. Now, uh, what that what that in turn tells uh, everyone is that when you leave my dinners, you won't have that couch high that you don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. You'll feel nice, but THC hay, which is very high in in antioxidants, they make they make all your pain go away. Mm -hmm. So if your back hurts, you're not your back is not going to hurt no more. You know, you leave actually feeling really good. So that's kind of what twenty past four has on the attack. You know, that's what we do different. You know, so now we take. Anything with fat, you're able to infuse. Yeah. Anything with fat, like we literally have tried to infuse lard. We've infused duck fat. We've infused butter, milk, heavy cream. We've infused almost anything we can get our hands on um, just to try things out. And uh, because of that, 
you know, and because of the way we do it, people end up having a better, I, what I feel is a better experience yeah. because they're able to gauge themselves, you know, and they'll tell me, hey, chef, you know what? The last time I was here, I, I, I want to be a little more high. Sure, no problem. We add a little bit more oil to it. Not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So people are able to gauge their own later. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, a question is that, uh, if you don't decarbonate, so how do you infuse the, the, the cannabis? I, I bring up my fats to certain temperatures. Every fat has a different temperature um, that we bring it to and we leave it there for a longer amount of time. So therefore, what ends up happening is that the cannabis ends up decarbing, but slowly. Mm. You know, so when you decarb in an oven, um, killing it, the it, you kill the terpenes, right? And just like when you smoke, right? When you smoke a, uh, when you smoke a joint, um, if you pull on the joint before you light it, you get one flavor. As you're smoking it, you get another flavor because you're burning it. So when you heat it up in the oven, you're actually burning the weed. So it has a totally different flavor. But as we do it slowly in the fat and bring it up to temperatures, I get to extract all that flavor as the THC is slowly extracting too. So my oils take anywhere from six to eight hours. I leave it longer. Okay, okay, that sounds yeah. Because we bought the audit, so okay. Um, How do you guys like it? Carbonated. I mean, it's good. I mean, you only can do an ounce in there. You can't right. Uh, but it's good. I mean, it, it gets it gets the job done. But not like. But I never like to burn it because you know I never understood. You know, even though the science says you know you activating the TAC and the CBD, right. the cannabinoids, but you're still burning the bud. So I always had that in my head. It's like, what what is a better way? Um, yeah, carbonating and put it. That's in. why again a lot of stuff that like I I do we do um tend to sell our bottles of oils and I do nothing but extra virgin olive oil. And the reason why I do it is because of the flavor. You know, um, I have done uh, coconut oil before. Uh, coconut oil, actually, it'll come into your system a lot faster. Your system breaks it down a lot faster. So you'll feel the weed, the weed or the effects a lot quicker, where olive oil is a lot thicker, it's more fattier. So it takes a longer time. But I tell everybody all the time, my oils are finishing oils. So they're not meant to cook with, they're not meant for you to, you know, fry with or anything like that. They're meant for you, you know, once you finish your steak, you put a little bit of oil on top, beautiful. You know what I mean? If you're doing a salad, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what my oils, I would like to put forward. Again, chef driven, culinary driven, flavor driven, you know, uh, where cannabis where the effects of cannabis is a plus. It's not what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for flavor profile. I'm looking to show cannabis as another herb, just like cilantro or um, oregano, you know, thyme, rosemary, all those four herbs that are pretty much the common ones that everybody uses um, have different flavor profiles. The same way tangy, blue dream, yeah. uh, you know, sour diesel. I got you, I got you. I, I strategically put that one in. <laughs> um, uh, you know, just the way all of those strains have their flavor profiles yeah. too. And they should be used in certain stuff, you know, yeah. like, you know, you can use, you can use rosemary in a ceviche, but it's not as good as using cilantro, yeah. you know, because it's just something that we do, something that just pairs very well. With it. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. So could you, um, you mentioned your members. Um, could you talk a little bit more about just your company and how do you reach your customers? Okay. So 20 past four has been grown organically. In regards to, you got to know somebody to know somebody mm. to get into 20 past four. Um, that's the only way we 
accept new members. Um, you have to be referred by an existing member or an approved vendor. As the years have gone by, I've um, worked with a lot of companies, a lot of cannabis forward companies. So um, I trust them. You know, if they're, if they're customers of them, then they can be members of me. Um, and I've slowly built that up. You know, I, I just recently on my uh, Instagram page just put up uh, our, we had a cabaret night with Mary Jane, celebrating Mary Jane um, on 420, okay. 2017. <laughs> Again, trying to do something different. Yeah. You know, um, cabaret night, nobody was really doing it. You know, we had, uh, we had a three string orchestra come in, um, that they played while people were dining. I had DJ Fat Fingers, which ends up being my cousin. He was actually, um, on the ones and twos. We had live art, you know, that kind of stuff. And at the same time, I did a five course infused meal, yeah. you know? Um, so it was really cool. Um, and I started something really dope and that's how we've grown our clientele just by people word of mouth. You know, um, I'm happy to say that we have over 500 members now, which is great, you know, and it's, and I'm okay with that. I always tell people, I like, I like holding the basketball in two hands. Yeah, if yeah. the ball gets a little too big, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. You know, um, everybody that's been at 20 past four, somehow, some way is an attachment to me. Mm. Whether I know you, I know the person that referred you or the person that referred you, you spoke to me. Like no one runs my page. No one, it's me, you know? So some way, some which way or another, you've actually spoken to me. And I do it for the safety of our venues. Sure. I do it for the safety of our staff. And honestly, myself, you know, I have a family to come home to every night, you know? And what we do, unfortunately, is not legal, no. you know? So I'm not really big into opening the doors, you know, and saying, hey, everybody come in and, you know, let's have this good party. <laughs> that's that's not what I do, you know, let alone as well as we're more on the hot pricier end of mm -hmm. the cannabis events, you know. My dinners are $150 a person to start, you know. So if you come to my dinners, it's because you want an experience. Yeah. You don't just want to come and, you know, smoke with people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, And that's why we offer different things like cabaret nights. We offer another thing called Smoke Eat Elevate. You know, we offer, um, we did a masquerade ball for for uh, Halloween. We've done Dia de los Muertos for Halloween. Stuff like that that we like to integrate different kinds of things. Sounds very fancy. It sounds like it's up my lane. <laughs> <laughs> now that, now, that, now that, that you know Blue Dream Radio, maybe we can collaborate. Oh, yeah, of course. Of, of course, of course. You guys are honorary members already. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but that's what we do. And I tell people all the time, and I posted it up on my Instagram. Instagram is basically the, the main social media that I put. Um, I'm an old man. I'm 40 years old. I'm not really big yeah, hip on... Oh, thank you. Thank you, brother. Um, you know, uh, it's those Ecuadorian genes. Um, but, uh, you know, I am not really big on the whole other social media stuff, the tweeting and the Snapchat. And I, I just I figured, you know what, I picked Instagram, I stuck with it. And that's what's really helped me, you know, and people just tag me. Um, we have over 6000 followers on Instagram, which is great, you know, and that's all been organically grown. You know, again, I, I tell people all the time, uh, people laugh at me because they're like, well, I'm not a member, but I can see your stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's great. You can see everything that we do. But if you want to interact with us, you still need a referral. Yeah, yeah. So. So I'm um, talking about experience. If you can give sure. us a quick rundown of how, like, if I go to a dinner of 
one of our listeners, you know, get referred and go to to one of your dinners? What can they expect uh, to see happen? Um, okay. Um. Sure. So, uh, let's say you know, uh, you you, uh, Ellie. Um. Sorry, Ellie refers freedom, mm-hmm. and you hit me up, and you're like, hey, you know, my girl Ellie told me to hit you up. So I would go back and be like, hey, Al, you know, do you know freedom? And she'll hit me back and say, yeah, chef, he's cool. Cool. At that point, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. If your referral doesn't confirm you, sorry, get another one. You know, that's how we keep ourselves, try to keep ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. Um, once you buy your ticket, you'll get an email confirming that you bought your ticket and letting you know that at 11 o'clock the night before the event, you will receive an email from us with the address and instructions on what to do the day of the event. So you don't know anything until the night before. We do that again for the safety. And to be honest, it's kind of cool. You know, people kind of, you know. (laughs) Right, you know, people people wait for it. I mean, when we did our masquerade ball, I literally um, asked for people's address and we sent personal invitations to people with like mask on and stuff like that. You know, that they can, they actually, we sent masks that people actually used for their masquerade ball. You know, so we like to take stuff a little bit to the extra mile. Um, so come the day of the event, you know, you go to the address, um, you will get screened right before, you got to show ID, make sure you're the person that you say you are. Depending on the event is depending on the experience. So let me tell you about our newest experience, which was Smoke Eat Elevate. Um, what I'm doing with that is that I'm working with local growers from the East Coast. Um, one of my favorites is The Collector. I don't know if you guys have heard of him or have tried any of his stuff. If you haven't, please look him up. He's amazing. Um, he grows right here um, in the East Coast. So we feature four of his strains. And what we do is we actually give you a sample of each of the strains that we use that night. We give you a glass pipe and we give you a lighter and some hemp wick. And then every course, before you get the actual course that's infused, we come out, we explain what we're doing for the course. Um, the grower comes out and explains the strain. You get to taste, smell, crush, smoke the strain, and then you get to taste the food that's in front of you. And then, you know, again, depending on what we're doing, we always try to change it up. So we might have an after party after that. We have a DJ going. We'll have, there's a bunch of stuff that we've done, which is great. You know, I, I like to keep it as fresh as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like that, that's so unique, right? Like often it's, and I think going back to that quote, it's, you know, if you don't even know where your weed's coming from. So if you have a girl there to explain what the strain is, maybe like how it came about creating that for you, for for us as a consumer, really just really pairs you with that. And then of course you're meeting the chef that's going to be providing this amazing meal. It just keeps you grounded then and really helps you understand where it is that, you know, and, again, and as a customer, you you feel more connected to what you're eating, and you know right. what's happening with the food that you're putting in your body. And I just feel that it makes you want to come back. It's mm-hmm. something that like, exactly I want to keep coming and and get that same experience or even a greater experience. For right. That. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to say our. I was. I was just gonna say our 420 event in 2017. We did about 60 people. 60 plus people our 420 event in 2018 we did about 150 wow. um our 420 event last year um was over 200 people. i missed it that's you know yeah um but you know it was 
we've we've slowly grown. Um, we like to put ourselves, you know, I always tell people, I, I just made a lane for myself and I stick to my lane. You know, um, I, I don't I don't try to cross with anybody. You know, I do collaborate with other chefs. That's something new that we've done as well. Um, I've collaborated with chefs out of New York. I've collaborated with chefs out of Canada, you know, so um, we, I feature these chefs and they come, they do their food with my oils and of course, or my eye concept of what we do at 20 past four. And uh, you get to meet these chefs, you know, I, I have a, a great uh, team of guys and young guys that are very talented that I, I let them come up with a dish, you know, and we, we work on it together where we add it to our menu. And then that night of the event, you actually get to meet that chef that made that dish. And he comes out and he explains it. It's not just always me, yeah. you know? And that was something that I added on later on. You know, at the beginning, it was always just me, 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 um, which was cool, you know, and everybody liked it and stuff like that. But um, at a certain point, my health started taking a hit again. So I had to worry about that and I couldn't do as much. So I needed the help, you know? So instead of taking people's credit, I actually wanted to build people up you know, and work with these chefs and say, hey, you know what, you're talented. I love what you're doing. Come and work with me. You know, I'll pay you this. You know, we'll feature you for the night. You're the guest chef. Let's do this, you know. And people, you know, chefs end up liking it. You know, I, I have a great amount of chefs that I've worked with. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to. I, I try to help as much. That's, I guess, my political standpoint. That's how I'm helping the community is by, you know, giving these chefs experiences or, uh, or offering a platform yeah. for these chefs to express themselves, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't tie their hands. You know, I ask them for ideas and then we'll take their idea and I'll be like, oh, okay, uh, yes, I've said no a lot of times yeah. um, because it's just not what I do being the executive chef, just like when you go to a fine dining restaurant, it's the executive chef's menu regardless. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'll take some ideas and be like, hey, you know, what if we tweak this? What if we do that? You know, we tr um, at 20 past four, we try to be seasonal with our vegetables um, and our local ingredients. You know, so when it's in season, we try to use it. So I, I try to help these chefs do that as well and say, hey, you know what? Let's not use acorn squash in the summertime. You know, let's use, you know, let's use summer squash, you know, or let's use this or let's use that. You know, or let's try this idea. Let's try that idea. So now we collaborate together and they end up working on their dish and then they present it the night as well. Yeah. Something that you mentioned, are, do you buy your products from local vendors? Like how do you- As much them? as I can. Okay. As much as I can, yes. I try to use as much local as I can, including cannabis. Okay. You know, but again, the same standards that I have for my chef, I have for my vendors. Mm -hmm. if not worse you know so um the ingredients have to be great you know including foremost cannabis yeah. you know it has to be great stuff for sure. because no matter what i'm not gonna charge 150 150 dollars per person when and i'm gonna give you some crappy you know cra crappy cannabis yeah. because now because now my no matter how good my food is it's still shit because mm -hmm. the weed is shit yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I try to use that. I try to use as many vendors as I can. I have used um, cannabis coming out of different states from across from the West Coast and stuff like that because I didn't get my hands on something local. Um, but even what I get over there, I, I research it and, you know, I work with the vendor that's gotten it and we work together to make sure it's an experience because they're putting their, their name on it as well, right? 
So, you know, when they come to the events, um, you're able to meet them as well. And you're able to, you know, uh, when we do Smokey Elevate, if you like that strain, you're able to go over to the grower and say, hey, you have any more? And he's like, hey, yeah, I do. You know, take this and take that. And this is other stuff that I have. It's kind of a, it ends up being a partnership more than a sponsorship. That's awesome. I have a question for you about this guy. Sure. So there's like a couple of schools of thoughts about whether or not one needs to go to culinary school in order to get the full experience. What is your, okay. what is your background? What, is your, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, in 2000, I went to culinary school for six months. Um, I ended up uh, applying for a job and I got a sous chef position mm. at a very nice restaurant in New York City. Um, at that point, I dropped out of school. Mm. Um, if I can do it all over again, I would have stayed in school. The reason why, it's a personal thing. Um, it's just, if you want a degree, get it. Because mm. it's a personal accomplishment, right? You accomplished something, whether it's getting a degree or not. Now, in the industry, do you need it? No, I don't think you need it. Does it help? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because you, you'll learn stuff in school that you do learn in the industry, but I learned it over 20 years. Mm. You understand? Like I learned it as when I was younger um, and I started my career as a cook, I would work at restaurants for three months and say, you know what? I learned everything here. I'm going to keep going. I used to, me, me and my wife have been together for a very long time. Um, we've been together since 2003. So at that time, I would drive her nuts because I would come home one day and just say, hey, I quit my job. <laughs> She'll look at me and be like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I quit my job. I'm going to take the rest of the week off and I'll get a, I'll get a job next week. And she was like, "Are right, you know, are your bills? I was like, yeah, everything's taken care of. I'm a responsible adult, you know? Um, but I just, I, I didn't, I didn't like the chefs or I, I just learned everything that I needed to learn or they pissed me off. I was, I was young and dumb. You know what I mean? Like coming from New York, Latino, you think you have all this weight on your shoulder and you have something to prove and all this other bull stuff. Um, and I would just leave. And then Monday morning I would wake up, put, uh, you know, put my knapsack on, my knives, my chef coat, my, my shoes. And I would walk, pick an avenue in the city and walk. Oh, no. I mean, go to different restaurants, you know, and by the end of the night or by the end of the week, I would have three different job offers. You know, I was just, I guess at that point too, I was very cocky. I was actually really good. You know, like I was good enough for people that wanted to pay me good money to come and work at the restaurant. And I knew that. So because of that, I was just going back and learning. So, and I would go to these restaurants just because I wanted to learn, mm. you know, like I, I worked at a sushi spot for a month just because I wanted to learn what they did. You know, and I didn't, I, I it didn't really tickle my fancy. So I was like, okay, this is not really for me. I'm out. You know, you know. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> telling you, you, you can ask her one day, and she, she would, she would just get, she would just look at me and be like, hey, whatever. The first couple of times, she was like, oh man, you know, I don't know what the, this guy's doing. After that, she was like, yeah, dude, whatever. You'll get a job next week. Yeah. You know, and I and I was lucky and fortunate enough, and NYC was at the point too with so many restaurants that I was able to do it. You know, so that's one of the things that I tell kids nowadays. It's like, if you're going to go to school, go. But know that you're not going to come out being a chef. Mm -hmm. You know, because when you come out of school and you go to these restaurants, they're going to put you as a prep cook. Yeah. They're going to put you as garmanger, a salad cook, you know, a salad station. 
linebacker. That's where you start. This you one. Know? <laughs> you know, well, you might, you might pass that because you have a degree. You know, you might, depending on restaurants. Yeah. yeah. You know, depending on restaurants. You know, you go to Per Se and you have a degree. They'll look at you and say, so what? So does everyone else, yeah. <laughs> exactly, you know. Or they'll look at you and say, you know that guy right over there that's leading the line? He doesn't have a degree. And you can't stand up to him. Mm. So go over there and wash the dishes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you pay your dues. Where in my aspect, I learned as I went. So I paid my dues. Yeah. You know, there was, there was nights that I had to work as a cook and then close and work as a dishwasher or work as a porter, you know, because that was part of my responsibility as a cook. That's what the chef expected from me. So now when I speak to my guys, I speak from an aspect of knowing all these things Mm -hmm. because I've done all these things. You know, I've taken apart kitchens. I've opened up kitchens. I've opened up companies. I've done all that stuff, you know, so it's given me a lot of experience. However, if I was to do it all over again, I would have stayed in school just so I can say I accomplished that. But that's that's a personal thing. Yeah. What challenges can you say that you've encountered in the industry as a person of color? I'm sorry, say that again? What challenges have you encountered in the industry, in the culinary industry, or even um, in the cannabis industry as a person of color? Um, there's been times that I was overlooked because I was Latino. Mm-hmm. there's been times I was overlooked because I look Mexican, mm-hmm. you know? No, I'm, I'm being honest, you know? Um, there, was, there was restaurants that I was the best line cook and I should have had the next position up and I was overlooked because I look the way I look. Mm-hmm. And the guy that was under me that wasn't as good was, you know, again, not to offend anybody, but was a Blanquito that played the role. Yeah. So it it's it's a challenge that we all go through you know it doesn't change in the kitchen you know especially again especially being the way i look i'm a very indigenous looking man you know what i mean so and i'm proud of it i am 100 percent proud of it but that also means that certain chefs come and start talking to me in spanish immediately because they don't think i'm from here yeah you know what i mean so they treat you differently and so they're like oh shit and don't get me wrong my spanish is really good for being born here you know what i mean but and i and i'll kick it with you at spanish all you want but at the same time i'm gonna go and spit out a nas verse at you and you're gonna be like holy shit all right this guy was born here Mm -hmm. you know so it's one of those things where you surprise people but as well as not for anything being a Latino from NYC in the hip hop era that dresses that way is also something that will hold you back. Yeah. Because you just don't fit that mold. Yeah. You know, of what they want for the restaurant, no matter how you look in the chef hat. Yeah. So. I mean, I like that hat though. I'm not going to Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you so know. wearing a 20 yeah. passport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, had to put, I, I haven't had a haircut since last year. So I'm yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't shaved this, this whole no, I, I, I had to do that. It was, it was too crazy over here. So I was like, all right, let me, let me clean this up a little bit. Especially when you were like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to video it. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. I got to go clean up. If it was just a phone call, it would have been a different start. For sure. So, so I don't have a, a, a what does your family and friends think about the work that you are doing? My mom to this day still calls esa porqueria. <laughs> <laughs> which, which for everyone that doesn't understand means for that pig shit. Yeah. Um, I actually made shirts that said esa porqueria yeah. just to make 
just to make fun of her. And it was funny. You know, um, my mom and my dad were baffled when I told them what I do. Then I showed them videos of what I do. And they were just like, dude, this is the restaurants you used to work in. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. That's what I'm trying to portray. It's not just a bunch of, as they say, marihuaneros yeah. that get together and smoke and fucking, you know, a bunch of degenerates not doing shit. You know, I was like, that's not what it's about. You know, and then I showed them my clientele. Like I said, the demographic of my clientele is very broad. You know, yeah. I have I have the 25-year-old that's a professional and, you know, listens to trap music. And then I have the 60-year-old man that I'm sitting next to listening to Billy Joel and talking about politics and economics, yeah. you know? So we have all that full spectrum and it's beautiful to see when I do communal tables, how cannabis brings that together, yeah. you know? And it makes people understand, hey, it doesn't matter what I look like. It matters what you're talking about. It matters the person that you're portraying in front of people, you know? So my parents thought it was crazy. Um, then they saw it and they still think I'm crazy. They're always worried, um, obviously, because of the legal aspect of it. And again, you know, they're immigrants. You know, they're immigrants, man. They, you know, they, it's different. You know, I tell y'all all the time, bro. All the time. When I, I'm like, Mamita, you know, I have an event. Okay. You know, and, you know, I'm always in God's prayers. Thank God. But, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's, it's still not acceptable. It won't be acceptable. I've, I've come to terms that they will never accept it, you know, um, just because they don't understand it and they don't want to understand it because I've given my parents books and pamphlets and, you know, I've printed out material in Spanish so they can learn, you know, and see it's medicine and see what we all have learned throughout the years. They might read it. I don't even know if they read it, to be honest. <laughs> You know, because they have just that closed mindedness of yeah. this is a drug, Stigma, you know, yeah. and again, it's what's been pushed on them. though, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's not their fault. And I, I don't get mad at before when I was younger, I would get mad. You don't understand me. You know, yeah. you think this, you think that my mom thought I was going to be a crackhead. You oh, know, this man. is this is a, you know, this is a gateway drug. You know, every everything that they heard was their fear. You know, my, my parents found out that I was smoking. I started smoking when I was 16 years old, 1996. Um, my mom found out four months after. My mom is, and you know, I don't know if, if your mom is this way, but for the, from what I know, Ecuadorian moms are very fucking nosy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. yes. So, I mean, I think for the most part, Latinas, especially Latinas from uh, immigrant Latinas that are first here, they're very much involved in their kids' lives. Yes. Um, so my mom was incredibly nosy and uh, she found a, a, a bag in, in my pocket, in my fifth pocket of my jeans, you know, <laughs> that I forgot, that I forgot to throw away, you know, and it was just an empty baggie. And it was kind of like, what the fuck is this? Bing, bing, bang, boom, boom, you know, you know, zapatillas are coming my way. Yo, you know what I mean? Like, yo, it's, it's coming, you know? And. You know, 16 years old, oh, you don't understand me, blah, 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 blah. You know, we don't know no that. You know, and again, at that point, my mom was like, my son's a drug addict. He's going to go to jail. You know, he's going to end up on the streets, you know. And when I showed them that I didn't end up that way, you know, I, I became this successful chef and I worked for a lot of good restaurants. And yeah. I, my, my parents moved to Florida when I was 21 years old. So I had to fend for myself because I didn't want to go with them. Um, 
and I was like, yo, you know what? I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad to say I never asked my parents for a dime after they left. If anything, I supported them for a while with my career, which is great. You know, so it made them look at it different. Mm-hmm. Not that they accepted it. It just made them look at it different. That's all. You know, it's just again. What you do? I'm sorry? What did they tell your friends that you do? Their friends? Yeah. Oh, I'm still a chef. Oh, he just cooked. (laughs) (laughs) El cocina. My aunts and stuff. Oh, no, él él hace su fiesta. Son fiestecitas que él hace para para su amigo. You know, so. You got a little supper club, you know, that's. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. El domo sabe que mi hijo está enfermo, so no puede hacer mucho. You know, it gets all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I forgot my train of thought. Uh, but one thing that you mentioned, yeah, that's one thing that you mentioned was that you do communal tables. So, what do you prefer, communal tables or doing? Um, I, I like communal tables. There's there's really no seating format when we go to my events, depending on the venue, because we do change venues. We're a bit nomadic mm-hmm. at times where we change venues every time. Sometimes I found certain venues that have become my home um, yeah. for a few dinners. Um, and then I found certain venues that are not. So depending on the venue depends on my seating arrangements. Sometimes mm-hmm. we use round tables. Sometimes we use square tables. Sometimes we use long tables. It all depends. But there's never a seating chart. You know, it's kind of like, all right, you're here, great. You know what, table one has three seats. There's three of you, go sit at table one. You know what I mean? It's that kind of stuff. So, and I, and I like it. You know, I feel like, I feel like it's part of the experience. You know, uh, um, I'm one of those cannabis or weed smokers that, you know, when you walk down the street and you smell it, you're like, oh shit, yo, dude, what you smoking on? You know, and if the dude turns around, it's like, yo, you want to hit this? Yeah, you damn right I want to hit that. You know, you know, so I feel like the same should go for the events. Um, so we're, we have the, um, one of uh, Freedom's favorite sections of our podcast, which is called Just for Fun. Okay. Uh, we just ask some questions just for fun and see where it goes. So cool. what age were you when you first smoked, which you already spoke about, but tell us about right. that experience. Okay. Um, I was 16 years old. Um, I was going, uh, I was uh, in high school. Um, I was at La Salle Academy in the Lower East Side. I went to La Salle. Um, my best friends, by the way, we'll talk offline because I feel okay. like also Ecuadorian, also went to La Salle Academy. Okay, look at that. Um, yeah, we have to talk about Irvin, if, <laughs> if you know. Oh, yeah, I know exactly where Washington Irvin was. Um, I, I remember I was with my boy Omar and my boy Jose. Um, Jose was the weed smoker, mm-hmm. and me, me and Omar were virgins. Um, and Jose was like, <laughs> yo, you know, let's go to Brooklyn, um, let's let's go smoke. And I was like, oh, shit, all right, fuck it. Yo, Omar, let's go. He was always like, all right, cool, let's go. So we ended up taking the train. To, um, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember the stop. But I do remember that it was a bakery. Mm-hmm. And he went, got a black limo bag from back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember the black limo bag. That yeah, was this yeah. long. Yeah. Um, rolled a blunt. We smoked. Uh, I got back on the train to go home. And I didn't get home till about 9 o'clock at night. Oh, shoot. <laughs> because I rode the train because I was so paranoid that my parents were going to know I was high. <laughs> so that was my first experience. And it, you know what? What was funny was I was I got home and I was like, oh, my God, they know I'm high. They know I'm high. Shit, they know I'm high. You know, and, yo, honestly, you know, I talk a lot of shit, but I was terrified of my mom. My yeah. mom would whip my – my mom is four foot 11, and she'll whip my I'm ass. I'm terrified this day. of my mom right now. I was going to say, to this day, she, she, she yells at me at a certain way, and I'm like, my neck, I'm sorry. Like, what did I do, you know? Um, so I was – I'm terrified. And 
My dad, my mom was the disciplinarian of the of the of the two. Um, but my dad, when my dad would get mad, it was one of those, yeah. oh shit, Poppy's mad, you know? <laughs> so, and I was like, oh my God, they're gonna find out. My mom's gonna tell my dad, I'm gonna fucking die, I'm gonna die, you know? And I remember going to sleep that night saying, I'm not gonna do this no more. <laughs> Next day, went to school, saw Jay, saw O. Yo, what's up, we going today? <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> and 20 years later, you cut you with it. <laughs> 20, 20 years later, I'm glad to say I made a business out of it, which is yeah, crazy, awesome. which is absolutely insane when I think about yeah. it. So that, that was my first experience. If you could smoke with anybody, dead of alive, famous, not famous, who you would smoke and what would you talk about? Wow. Um, Anthony Bourdain. Yes. Rest in, uh, rest, in rest in peace. Rest in peace. I, I was a big follower of Chef. Um, I think Chef helped cooks like me get a voice, um, understand that it's okay to say fuck you to tradition yeah. and say fuck you, I'm cooking my way. Um, I would love to smoke, man. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't. It looked like he's a too. Yeah, yeah, it looked like he was a fucking great guy. Um, it would have been a fucking lot last. Um, but, yeah, and I would just talk to him about life, man. Yeah. You know, just his his experiences in the kitchen and, you know, just maybe just like chef talk. You know, just shit that we, we fucking would do together. I, I would love to hear his experiences at Les Howes and why he, you know, I, I've read his books and, you know, I would have certain questions about his books. Why'd you write this? How did this happen? How did that happen? Kitchen Confidential was a fucking Bible, you know, so... um yeah, it would probably be him. I, I don't get very attached to celebrities and stuff like that. I'm a fan. I'm more of a fanatic of sports, you yeah. know. Um, but What's the sport? Uh, I love baseball. I'm a, I, I grew up on baseball. My dad is a big baseball fan. I'm a Mets fan. I'm from Queens, Man. unfortunately. So, yes. you know, un unfortunately, unfortunately. Um, so I rub Queens all day as much as I can. Uh, but, uh, you know, Bourdain was that one celebrity when I got a text message from my compadre, which is also a chef, um, he sent me a message. It was like, yo, Bourdain died. Like, I, I literally teared yeah. for a man that I have no attachments to. No you know, I didn't, I never knew, you yeah. know, but it was, it was that impactful to me yeah. that I was like, holy shit. I remember I was leaving home, taking my son to school. And I remember to look at my wife, he's like, yo, Anthony Bourdain died. Yeah. She was like, what? And she looked at me. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not okay. Like, that was, that's a big deal, you know? Yeah. Um, so it would be probably Anthony Bourdain. You know, and then I have a little bit of list after that, like, you know, Biggie and shit like that, just yeah. because I'm a fan and shit, you know, but that's Anthony fine. Bourdain is just one of those, like, I mean, yeah. I'm similar. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm a, I don't fangirl over, over people, but when Anthony Bourdain died, like, I remember telling Freedom, like, damn, no, like, it really hurt. Like there was something about this. I mean, and like we watch his show all the time, and um, and we followed him. I was just like, yo, he gave voice to people who all people, the industry just looked past, right, all the time, right. And like it was just like, yeah, he would do a show on the street and talking about this being the best food in this country, which is mm. straight up street food. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and again, being I, I grew up in the kitchens of New York in the nineties. You know, in the late 90s or, you know, um, shit was different, man. Shit was just different. New York was a different vibe. It was a different, it was a different drum playing, you know. Um, 
and he he was able to make me feel comfortable you know and again i worked nothing but fine dining i worked for you know jean george michael mina those restaurants and those kitchens are very very different yeah. you know and and they're um it's it's challenging to be a man of color in those kitchens regardless of how many of us are in there it's still challenging you know and you know he gave me the okay to say you know what fuck you uh, yeah. i know i'm a good cook you know i don't i don't need to do it your way you know because i i, I can do it this way and it's just as good exactly. you know? so um what is next for 20 says for long term and short goals okay um Fast quarantine, you know. Fast quarantine, okay, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Help, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's number one. That's uh, Chef Chris' um, mission is to get better on health. Um, short term, come back with a bang. You know, um, I had to cancel a lot of my events this year because of my health, as you guys know. Um, you know, in January, we were supposed to actually um, venture off and go to Florida. Had a couple of Florida dates lined up in uh, West Palm Beach. Um, and we were gonna do some events down there, which I was very excited for, because the fact that I was even able to get, carry this company into another state was dope, you know? And I had a, I was on talks with a couple of other states as well to move on forward doing what we do because we are a bit different than everyone else that's doing it out there. Um, it's coming back, you know? I'm a little nervous, to be honest. Um, uh, short term, I think we're not probably going to be doing big events for a while. Um, honestly, between you, me and all your, all your viewers, um, I'm not planning a big event until probably next year. Okay. You know, I, I feel my personal uh, feeling is, uh, this is not over. Mm -hmm. And once they say it's okay, it's still really not okay. Yeah. You know, um, I have to worry about my health as well. As like I was telling you guys offline, you know, I have to be away from people in general, yeah. you know? So putting myself in a room with 50 people is probably not a good idea, regardless of their members or friends or not. It's yeah. just not, the numbers don't work to my advantage yeah. personally, but um, I'm in works with doing probably like small dinners, like, you know, some eight person, very intimate, yeah. you know, me getting back. Uh, as 20 past four grew, I also had to grow with the business and let go of the kitchen a little bit. That's why I started hiring chefs instead of just cooks because I was able to concentrate on the business end of it. Mm -hmm. So I stopped cooking what I was cooking. You know, like I, I was, we were gearing up to do 50, 60, 100 people, you know, and, and that is different. Like that menu is different than doing eight people, yeah. you know, or doing six people, you know? So I want to get back into my, my, me personally, I want to get back into the kitchen and back into creating and I have, I've had a lot of time, and as we all have now, but I have had a lot of time to come up with like cool ideas, you know, more interactive stuff with my guests so they can learn more, educate more. I feel like I want to go more of that route um, where people can understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and not just, you know, well, this is great, you know, and I'm got highs. No, you know what? I, I, I came out learning because Chef showed me something, yeah. you know. Um, Long term, it really depends, man, to be honest. I, I personally think here in New York, we're at least five years away from anything being legal in regards to cooking with cannabis and uh, being able to serve that to the public. Um, I think we're at least five years away from any of that. Uh, five years from the point of it getting 
legitimized and legalized and all that you know so whenever that happens i still think we're five years away from that point Mm -hmm. for people to open up restaurants cafes blah 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 and i think if we look at california i have kind of a good basis to look how look how long it's been legal there and just recently is when they opened up a restaurant you know yeah right you know so our cafe which she's amazing i forget her name chef um, the chef that did it, but you know, she's dope, you know? So it's like, you know, I think we're a ways away from doing that in New York. I want to stay in New York. I'm a native New Yorker, you know? Um, I kind of don't want to leave New York, even though I'm getting tired of it, <laughs> you know? Again, being here for so long, right? You know, uh, quality of life just sometimes changes. Um, yeah. And what you want for your family sometimes change. And sometimes you can't deliver that in a big city like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but long-term, it, it really all depends. You know, I, I can see myself cooking with cannabis for quite some time. Um, I've, I've ventured even or thought of even me starting to teach mm-hmm. people. And because um, I've never done that in regards to actually teaching the public, you know, not just my chefs, not just my cooks, but actually making classes out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people tend to people tell me all the time that I should do that. So it's like, OK, you know what? Maybe, maybe we'll start doing that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll okay. see. I want to get over this quarantine stuff yeah. first. I'll definitely take those classes. Got, <laughs> Thanks, you, man. You got, you got, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. I, I've been playing with the idea. I have a couple of ideas going. You know, one thing that I am, I am as a creative is creative, mm-hmm. you know? So we, I want to do something different. I just don't want to just do, you know, come to this class and learn how to cook with weed. Mm-hmm. Eh, there's a lot of chefs that are out there doing that. Yeah. What makes me different? You know, that's what I've always told people, you know, well, even the name 20 past four, right? It makes you think, you know, so that's what I want to do when I do anything. I want people to think, you know, there's been plenty of times that people are looking at me. Why did you name your company 20 past four? And I have to look at them like, think about the name. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> and then they'll look at me. Oh, okay. Now, now you got it. <laughs> right, exactly. You know? But that was the whole thing. That's why we don't really have a logo, you know, and um, our original logo is cursive and we wrote everything in script and it was, everything was methodically meant to be on the higher end of the cannabis scene, you know, Um, and I'm planning to stay that way. You know, I really don't want to bend to the public, you know, Um, I was very fortunate when I got sick in January, I was thrown a, a, they threw me a fundraiser. the great people over at Urban Live, uh, Angela and Mike, they're fucking amazing. Um, you know, if you guys don't know them, I, I got to introduce you to them. She's fucking great. Um, and I had a lot of sponsors and people that kind of, you know, supported me, which is great. So I want to give back to that as well. You know, if the first first event I might throw is a celebration of life, where I just want my members to come out and just, you know, no charge. If, you, if you've been with us before, come out, celebrate with me celebrate that we're all alive and still yeah. kicking you know um especially going through what we've gone through you know this is all traumatic experiences man we're living through history right now and we don't know what the outcome is yet exactly. you know so um we need to support each other regardless you know regardless of our uh, of our color of our skin or our beliefs in anything you know it's all about support and just being a good human okay. you know um so i, I want to give back that way as well so what piece of advice would you give a listener who is interested in starting a business in the cannabis industry? Or want to... Research. Mm. Research. 
have tough skin yeah. and make sure this is what you want to do. Um, if I wasn't sick, I wouldn't be cooking with cannabis. Mm. Honestly, I would be an executive chef probably at a restaurant making some pretty good money and wouldn't have time to do projects like this. Um, my illness gave me the time to concentrate on the company, to concentrate on something for myself. Again, like I was telling you guys offline, right? You know, cancer kind of saved my life. Um, but I would definitely tell them research. That was first and foremost very important to me because I wanted to make sure different, you know? And, and I guess that would be my second point. Be different. Yeah. Be different. You know, um, everyone is doing everything. Like, they, again, they, there's that uh, saying, no idea is original, but Under the try sun. to, Thank you. you know, try, try to be, try to get more to the original than anyone else can, yeah. you know, um, be different, you know, be creative. Um, mm -hmm. let, let your, uh, let your guard down. You know, a lot of people want to go into this business and, you know, you want to mimic stuff and that's cool. You know, if that's what you do and that's what your strength, you know, go right ahead, you know, best of luck to you. But I've, I found that, uh, I get more drawn to people that are original or people that are different, you know, people that want to do stuff for different reasons. So, and don't ever forget, we're a community, you know, we're a community, you know, it's, if, if it's, if it's not for the community. And to be honest, when I started this, I had no clue. I had no clue what a community was in regards to cannabis. You know, I didn't know that it was this and it was what we got and what we have. You know, I've learned as I've gone along because the original idea was just, yo, I'm cooking with weed because I ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, oh shit, I'm actually good at it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm actually doing something different. And then as that idea grew, I had people come to my events that were in this community saying, yo, chef, you're fucking dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what you do is dope. And I, I want to introduce you to this person. And I want to introduce you to that person. And that's when I realized that, wow, this is amazing. You know, there is this community. There is this abundance of people that want to know each other and help each other grow and do things differently. You know, I always extend my help to anybody that wants it. You know, I've, I've, I've showed guys. I mean, there's been people that have copied my ideas, you know, without giving any credit. And I don't care. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm the type of dude when I was even cooking in the in the culinary field you know you guys okay yeah i know you um you froze oh okay oh am i back yes you're back you're back okay okay cool um i i was saying i would tell my cooks you should want my job you should want to be the chef and my cooks would always look at me like dude why and I was like, because I'm confident enough that I can go out there and get another job. Yeah. So, but if you don't want my job, then I don't want you here yeah. because I want the best of you yeah. because I'm giving you the best of me. I'll teach you everything I know, but you got to, you take that and do with what you can. Yeah. yeah. Sure. With those words of wise, uh, if any of our listeners want to get in touch, show some love, um, they want to, you know, go to a dinner, even though it's referrals. But if they want to just show some love. Yeah. Check uh, out 20 Past 4 and check yeah. out your work, Chef. Um, yeah, tw 20, uh, 20 Past 4 NYC on Instagram. There's underscores between every word. 
I'm sorry, but that's just the way I kind of set it up. Um, but you know, you can look me up, look me up through Blue Dream. You guys follow me. Um, uh, 20class4nyc at gmail.com. You can email me. Um, please, by all means, you know, again, like uh, Freedom was saying, it is referral only. So go out there and find referrals. People always ask me, hey, Steph, how can I get a referral? And I always tell them, yo, go to other cannabis events. There's other things out there that, that you will know. You know, I'm not going to mention anybody because nobody's paying me to do anything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there are a bunch of cannabis events in the community um, that I've gone to myself that are free, that have nothing to do with smoking. You know, they're just educational. And those events, you'll find somebody that's, been to 20 past four or yeah. somebody that knows 20 past four and you, you can say oh my there, so. yeah, yeah exactly you know like you know and i've met a lot of my people there you know what i mean that i didn't even know go there you know they were like oh chef what are you doing here and i'm like what the fuck are you doing here you know <laughs> what i mean um so it's like you know go to those events man educate yourself you know if you really want to be part if you if you really want to be part of this community then be part of the community you know and i and i, I always always want to feel that I want to help. That's how I help. You know, like, again, that's how I'm able to say, you know, go to this event, you know, go to that event. You know, it's free. You know what I mean? And it's safe. You yeah. know, now if you, and you might meet somebody there, you never know, you know, and I've had people do that, believe it or not. I've had people go to these events and like, Hey, you know, 20 past four. And yeah, I do. Well, I would love to go to the dinner. I'm sorry. Even my, my members have told people, I'm sorry. I really don't know you like that, but Maybe if we get to be friends, then, you know, I can refer you, okay. you, know, like, and I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, if you don't want them at my, if you don't want them, if you don't know them or don't hang out with them, neither do I. Yeah. Right. So don't bring them to my stuff. If you don't hang out with them on the regular, I don't want to hang out with them either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point of us being a community. Right. Sure. So 20 past four is a little community within a community, but yeah. I like to keep it that way. You know, and it would, I'll be honest, people have asked me numerous times, chef, is there going to be a vetting process? Is there going to be an application? Are you going to ask me to send IDs? Can I send you a picture of me smoking? No, absolutely not. Get a fucking referral, yeah. you know, because all of that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. You know, what means something is a, a, a member coming to me and saying, hey, chef, so-and-so is cool people's. Yeah. And they should be part of the community. Cool. You know? Well, thank you so much, Chef. We really yeah. appreciate your time. And thank you, guys. Sending you so thank many you. positive vibes yeah. and blessings. You know? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Are you enjoying this podcast? If you haven't done so already, rate us. Your voice matters and gets us in front of new listeners every single day. Have a great weekend. Peace. Give me yours to get your manhood choking.